0: You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Mark chapter 4, um, beginning in verses verse 1. And it reads And again, he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Verse ten. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, "Do." uh, And he said to them. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately they fall away. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares, of the, world, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold this is the word of the Lord from the moment he stepped into the public eye Jesus attracted large crowds the more he tore and the more miracles he performed the large the larger the crowds became at this point okay at this point of his life the crowds have grown so large, a house or the marketplace in the city is not big enough to contain them. So Jesus, what he does is he decides to get a venue big enough to contain the crowd. And the biggest venue available is on the shores of the Sea of, the Gal- of Galilee. So there by the sea, what he does is he gets into the boat on the lake and all the people gather by the water's edge. And from the boat, he begins to teach the crowd using parables, right? So you guys get what's happening. Tons of people, so much going on. Too many people go to the shore. Jesus gets Jesus gets in the boat because he can't fit on the shores um, and sails a little bit further out and begins to teach from there. And apparently, where this is happening, this setting, this, um, this location, Sea of Galilee, if you were to do the same thing and get on a boat and sail a little further out and begin to speak, there's this, apparently, this natural amphitheater that allows your voice to be projected in a way that people can hear. It's fantastic. And so that's what's happening. And so Jesus begins to teach them using parables. It has been said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In his parables, Jesus used what was common, what was familiar, and experienced by citizens of of first century Jewish culture To help them understand the culture of the kingdom of God. And so, um, from San Diego, if Jesus was speaking to a bunch of San Diegans, right? He would say, right, a surfer went out to surf, right? That is how he would do it. If he did the same thing in Stockton, I'm sure he would say, a bunch of Stocktonians went to the Asparagus Festival. And he would do something like that, all right? Just to help, familiar, common to all of us. And so, before Jesus gets into the content of this parable, all right, he begins by commanding every single person in the crowd to listen, okay? And in saying this, he is saying to the crowd, "I I just don't want you to listen with your ears and understand with your mind. But, this is what Jesus means by listen. I want you to listen in a way that affects your heart and will eventually influence your actions. I like that, amen. I need more of that. Anyway, so in the same way, this is what's happening. Jesus is still speaking to this day. He's still speaking. He's speaking to you through, of course, his written word and the church and the people. And he wants you to listen In the same way. He wants you to not only listen with your mind and intellect. That's absolutely important. But Jesus wants you to listen to him on a regular basis in a way that will dictate the way you live. So after calling his audience to listen, Jesus introduces his parable with the following words. A sower went out to sow. This introductory statement captures, absolutely captures the attention and imagination of his hearers, because he's about to tell a story that is common to their everyday experience. A sower went out to sow, says Jesus in verse 3. He goes on in verse 4 and says, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds Fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth for soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse seven: Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And finally, verse eight: And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirty. And 60 and 100 fold. And then Jesus ends his parable in verse 9 with the words, He who has ears, let him hear. As compelling and as relevant as this story may have been, many in his audience are left scratching their heads, okay? And this includes his disciples, okay? Okay. They too have difficult understanding this parable because when Jesus is done, they come up to Jesus and go, hey, Jesus, this parable was awesome. It was relevant to us. We get the whole agriculture, farming thing. But Jesus, what are you talking about? So later in the day, when they're away from the crowd and alone with Jesus, they ask him, like, what are you talking about? Before Jesus gives the meaning... He reveals to them in verses 11 through to 13 that the parables are about the kingdom of God and they are about who Jesus is and how he wants them to live. And he also goes on to tell them that the parables can only be understood by those who know him and those who believe in him. But... For those who refuse to believe, they will remain in the dark as the meaning of the parables. One author said it this way: Those who receive truth and act upon it receive more. Those who reject truth with, will ultimately lose the bit they have. The parables were, were were full of truth, but for truth rejecting people, they were impossible to understand. Alone with his disciples, Jesus then explains the parables. The first thing he explains about the parable is that the seed represents the word. And so what Jesus is talking about here is the gospel message. It's the word that is preached. It's the word that is communicated, whether it's preached from here, whether you're alone doing a one-to-one Bible study with someone. It's the word. It's the gospel message. And it's the gospel message because it's all about Jesus Christ. One thing that I've learned over and over again is that without Jesus, it's impossible for us to fully understand Scripture. Without Jesus, the Bible will just be a historical book that talks about just awesome things, absolutely. But Jesus, through Jesus, through having the lens of Jesus, we understand the Bible fully. This parable illustrates a sad reality, okay? And that is the majority of people who hear the gospel, that is who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish, will reject it, but only a few who hear it will accept it. And so this is what's going on. In the first century, this is what would happen. A sower, which is another word for a farmer, Right? Often carried his seed in a bag, and as he walked along the field, he would scatter handfuls of seed along the way. Okay? And this is kind of what's happening here. I lived in Arizona for six months. It was really hot. And because we, we lived there and we had a yard, and what I started to get into is gardening, okay? And we had this yard, and the grass was just really bad. And so one day, I went into Home Depot, and I got some Bermuda grass and wanted to grow some grass. And how I wanted to grow the grass was to shove my hand in the bag, Right? grab some seed, hands when and just start scattering everywhere, okay? And someone who's more of an expert in this stuff than I am, suddenly so, so, told me and said, hey, like, you can get this, this thing, this lawnmower thing, where you actually, like, put the seed in, and you just, like, kind of just push it, and it just separates and, you know, just makes the seed go nicely onto the grass. You don't need to scatter everywhere. Okay. And so it, it, this but in the first century they didn't have that. And so farmer would get it and just scatter it everywhere. And in verse 4 we're told that some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. In verse 15 Jesus sheds light on this part of the parable. He says the seed that fell listen to this. Along the path represents the kind of people that hear the gospel message but shortly after hearing it Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay? I know that in this room, there are differences of opinion when it comes to Satan. Some people are overly obsessed with Satan and blame him for every bad thing that happens in your life. Okay? I grew up in a church where this was kind of common, right? Your car, <clears throat> your car breaks down. It's the devil. <laughs> no, it's not. Didn't change my oil, okay? <laughs> I got fired. It's the devil. No, I wasn't working hard, mom. I was late, you know, Just overly obsessed and blamed the devil for everything. And for some of you, You think Satan is nothing more than a made-up character like Santa Claus or superheroes. He's not real. He's a fictional character some creative genius came up with. But according to the Bible, right, Satan shouldn't be blamed for everything. We're like all messed up and dysfunctional and we forget stuff. But also according to the Bible, Satan is absolutely real. And here, Jesus wants us to take him seriously and to be aware of his tactics. And one of Satan's purposes is to do all he can to stop God's work in the lives of people. And one of the ways he does this is to stop the gospel message from taking root in people's lives and he does this by snatching it away. The person Who is like this first soil, okay, the path, may be an angry, hardened atheist or skeptic who with arms crossed, um, heart closed, immediately rejects anything that challenges their own ideas. And I'm sure in a city like this, you've come across people like that, that don't want Anything to do with, don't even want to hear it. They reject it straight away. Or it may simply be the average person who is distracted. If Satan can distract you so that the word of God goes in one ear and come out the other, he will successfully have taken away God's message and weakened its impact on your life. Or it may be, right, the person this is talking about with the hard heart that Satan comes and steals God's Word from making an impact in their life, it may be the most committed members of the church. This is what I mean by that. They're heavily involved in this church, okay? They serve, never miss a Sunday, Always first to arrive, last to leave, but everything they hear goes in one ear and comes out the other. They're so busy working for Jesus, they don't have time to worship Jesus, right? And it's so subtle, right? It's so subtle, right? Right? We, we, when we be, When ministry becomes more important than simply being with Jesus and knowing Jesus, we've got to check our hearts and make sure that the enemy is not beginning to snatch God's Word and God's truth from our hearts. And so this morning, I want to issue a warning. We're all at risk. There's a thief among us who wants to take from you And he isn't after your car, he isn't after your wallet, he isn't after your iPhone, he's not. But he's after something way more valuable. Satan is like a thief who wants to take the gospel message from you, who wants to do all in his power to prevent the gospel from taking root and growing in its influence in your life. And let me just say that in Christ, you don't need to fear satan right you just don't need to he has no power over you but he can manipulate and distract you even with good things that you do some of you have heard the gospel message many times you've heard about jesus Okay? You've heard about who he is and what he's done. You've heard how if you surrender your life to him, he'll change your life and forgive your sins and reward you with eternal life. But the question is, has the gospel message, the power of God's word, has it been rejected by the hard ground of your life? If all that you've heard about Jesus has not, is not making an impact on you, then it's possible you're a victim of the enemy and he's snatching the word away from you. And so as the farmer scattered his seeds, some of them fell on rocky ground, where the soil was very shallow, and because the earth was not deep enough for strong roots to take hold, it grew too quickly. Verse 16 and 17 contains the meaning of this part of the parable. Um, these are people, when they hear the word immediately, receive it with joy. OK? And because they have no deep roots, they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the person all right, who hears the gospel and straight away embraces it with joy. They're excited, they come up to the frontier, pray, they get baptized, they're involved in church. There's a bunch of initial enthusiasm about their, uh, their, their newfound commitment with Jesus Christ. But when they experience trouble or persecution because of their allegiance to Jesus, they give up on following him. Jesus himself faced much trouble and rejection. And because of this, those who make an informed decision to live for him will also experience persecution for their faith in him. If Jesus experienced trials and hardship and, you know, persecution, and then we will, as his followers, it makes sense. Rico Tice who's a British evangelist, um, likens the challenges Christian face because of their faith, right, to the side effects you get from some medications. He rightly says, he says this, many life-saving treatments such as chemotherapy bring with them some pretty awful side effects. There are times when the patient undergoing treatment may wonder if the cure is worse than the condition. But to give up on the life-saving treatment because of the temporary side effects would be to give up on life, right? And so in saying this, Jesus is being brutally honest. He is. He's making it crystal clear that hard times and persecution are the basic elements of the Christian faith. And if this is not understood from the beginning... We'll want to throw in the towel and give up on Jesus when we face challenges and difficulties, right? When I got saved, I got saved in college, okay, of all places, right? Went into college thinking, yeah, freedom, woo! And then Jesus, who's so beautiful, captured my heart. And after that, I changed. And my friends had noticed it. And because of that, they gave me a really hard time for not wanting to be involved in the things I used to be involved in. Some of you here this morning are facing obstacles, trouble, and much opposition because of your relationship with Jesus. And to give up on Jesus and His church Is something that is really appealing to you at this moment. And so my encouragement to you is don't quit. Don't give up on Jesus because of the difficulties and challenges you face because of him. Invite others, right? A part of your church communities, don't fight it on your own, right? For all the guys in here, don't try and firm it, and I can do, no, like, invite your community into this, and they will walk with you as you all follow Jesus, all right? And know that God is with you, and He's with you in every situation, specifically, especially when you are facing trouble and hardship because of Him, okay? Okay? And so, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, Jesus says in verse 18 and 19 that it represents the people who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here, Jesus mentions three things, right? And likens them to thorns or weeds that weaken or diminish the impact and growth of the gospel in your life. The first is the cares of the world, right? Rico Tais, again, describes um, the cares of the world um, as this. He says, it's not so much negative things we are worried about, but the things which distract and preoccupy us so much that they grow to define us, right? What is distracting you? What is preoccupying you? Those are the things that will define you. And those are the things that will distract you from Jesus. Um, and, And these desires and the worries that come with them become stronger than our desires for Jesus. Jesus also mentions the deceitfulness of riches as potential opposition for the impact and growth of the gospel in our lives. And there is nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with working hard and being wise and investing, um, you know, investing well so you can get a good return on all your investments. Nothing wrong with that. But there's uh, when we begin to prioritize, right, like the idea of money and being wealthy, right, ahead of Jesus and all that he's given us, Um, And we need to check our hearts. We are beginning to be deceived by riches. Okay? Lastly, desires for other things. And this is anything or anyone that competes with our affections for Jesus. In the final verse of the parable, Jesus explains the meaning behind the seeds that fell on good soil and produced an enormous harvest. He says in verse 20, right? Listen to this. Jesus says in verse 20 that these are the people who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. And maybe you're like, what's all this fold language? Got numbers and 60 fold and 30 fold. And so back then, kind of the harvest was measured in this way. And the average um, 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 harvest would be around 30, 35 fold, right? If someone was to get an enormous harvest, it would be in the 60s. And so for Jesus to go on and include a hundredfold, is Jesus, like, exaggerating, big time, okay? And so, like, people that are listening to this are like, whoa! (laughs) Seriously, that kind of harvest is a miracle! It's a miracle! Unbelievable, right? So this is what's going on. This is how it relates to us. This is the person who hears the gospel, loves and obeys Jesus, okay, and begins to see Jesus work in and through them in powerful ways. Okay, R. Kent Hughes says this, The seed of God's word does not bounce off the surface of their heart. It does not momentarily flourish only to shrivel under adversity. It is not divided by its competing desires and strangled. It's a heart that allows God's Word to take deep root in it. This is the person whose heart is sensitive and responsive towards Jesus. This is the person who remains committed to Jesus, no matter what life throws at them. The person or the heart that has a good soil that bears much fruit, this is the person to whom Jesus is more valuable than anyone or anything in this world. Basically, this person's killing it as a Christian. (laughs) But the heart that hears the gospel message and accepts and bears much fruit is also the person who is imperfect, who is not perfect. And in the words of the author, Jared Wilson, this is the person or the people who screw up who are weary, and who are wondering if it's safe to say what they are really thinking. The heart that is described as the good soil, the good person, the person we all want to be, is the person who is not always sensitive and responds to Jesus with obedience. It's the person who at times wants to quit following Jesus, because it's hard being a Jesus follower in this city and in our post-Christian culture. The person who hears and accepts Jesus and produces fruit is at times prone to wander from Jesus and at times values people places and possessions more than Jesus but the reason we still bear fruit the reason Jesus still uses us powerfully the reason you and I are still devoted to Jesus after all these years has nothing to do with how awesome And put together we are. No, the reason we're bearing fruit as a Christian has everything to do with the work of Jesus in our lives. It really does. His dedication to you is what empowers you to live your life fully for him. His love and grace and care towards you is what inspires you to extend love and grace towards the people that annoy you. Hearing and embracing the gospel, okay? The person that hears and accepts it, right? Means believing that even though you're sinful and rebellious to the deepest core of your being, God loves you, And sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sins. The heart that hears and accepts the word is the person that has come to realize that any growth they've seen in their lives and any good they've done in their lives all comes from the work of Jesus in their lives through his spirit. Jesus is the architect behind your faith. He really is. He's the one who inspires us to believe that God has a plan for us, even when we're afraid He doesn't. Okay? Jesus enables us to believe that God loves, God loves us still, even when we feel like nobody else does. Okay? In the past, when you've been tempted to quit following Jesus when life sucks, He's the one that has empowered you to trust that God is doing something for your good even though your life has always been terrible up until now. And when you've been tempted to love people, places, and possessions more than Jesus, it's Jesus that enables you to deny yourself in order to do what's right although you don't really want to do it. It is because of Jesus that you can look forward to a time when there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more hurt. It's all because of Jesus. And it is because of Jesus that you're able to bear not just a normal average harvest, but a miraculous harvest to the point where people look at your life and go, Oh my goodness, what has happened to you? You are so different. How are you able to endure through these hardships? How are you able to still love Jesus even when it's, you know? Also, when we look through the rearview mirror of, your, of our lives, it's, it's that. We, we look and we see how we used to be. And we're like, man, look, how, look what, where I am. It's all because of Jesus. May this parable make you treasure the word of God that is Jesus more than ever. Because it is only in him and through him that you're able to live the life he's called you to live and do the things he's called you to do. Pray with me. Father.